Get to the church, blind! Get to the church, blind! Go! Now! I'm Pete Mitchell, and he's Peyton Jones, and you're listening to Hardcore Church Planning, the companion podcast for the Church Planner Podcast and Church Planner Magazine. Each week, we'll bring you interviews from planners who are in the trenches making it happen right now. These active church planners bear it all, share their successes, their failures, and what they'd wish they'd known when they were first starting out. Listen in to discover how God is working in their church plan. Hey, church planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. And I'm really uncomfortable right now as I watch Peyton and our guest sit mere inches away from each other. We're we're practically rubbing bald heads, man. It's like it's almost like a genie's gonna appear. Exactly. And this is supposed to be the serious podcast between our podcasts. It, it, as serious as we can get, Pete. Apparently, That's apparently, we're we're letting people down with our our non seriousness right now. Why don't you actually introduce we're our irritate guest? Irritate that guy who likes this podcast, but is irritated by our other podcast. We're gonna run that risk, and I can't live with myself if if we let that happen, Pete. I, you know, I don't even remember his name anymore, but. All I got to say to him is he should have really listened to the Church Planner podcast after he left that nasty review for us because we chewed him up for oh, like three oh, or we four did. weeks in a row. Yeah, I, th- I think he he will have learned his lesson if he had listened to the podcast. Note note to people: don't give us a two star review. We'll pull you out. We'll talk about you. <laughs> we'll cyber- you will become a topic of this podcast. <laughs> we will cyberstalk you on Facebook. Find out where you're at and just really talk about you a lot. Hey, that's how we found fashion. our winner. Don't think we won't do it. We tracked a guy down who was deer hunting in the Midwest somewhere we and did. made him answer his phone to tell him he was the winner of our contest. So that's right. ruined that's his deer hunt for the day. So don't think we won't do it. So Peyton, why don't you introduce our guest? So my guest today is Sam Dula, and he is uh, the trainer, the uh, Boulevard trainer uh, for the West region for North American Mission Board. And uh, he's going to tell us a little bit more about what Boulevard training is pretty hot. I mean, this is hardcore church planning, and uh, it's pretty hardcore. So uh, we're going to get into that. So, uh, Sam, welcome to the show. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. I know we're close, (laughs) but don't turn your head. Exactly. We're practically kissing. Exactly. (laughs) It's really funny watching you guys try and not turn your head because you would be like, your noses would be touching. Yes, yes. Exactly. And we're both ugly, man. So it's just, it's not good. Exactly. That's awesome. Well, I'm big time excited to be here with you guys. I big time appreciate just the um, opportunity to come and share a little bit about Boulevard. Thanks so much for that. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about what is Boulevard, because unlike Peyton, I have absolutely no idea what it is. Yeah. So yeah. I'd like Un- to know. Unlike Peyton. Yeah. Unlike Peyton. <laughs> I know what it is. Did you say like Peyton or unlike Peyton? I said unlike Peyton. I figured you knew what it was. I don't. I have no idea. I know everything. Of course. (laughs) Well, well, here's the thing about Boulevard. You know, um, it really is an approach to doing urban church planning, just an approach to doing urban church planning. And what we've done over the last several years, the Hottie Lewis, um, after coming and be a part of uh, the North American Mission Board, really had an approach that we, to some degree, adopted while we were planning Blueprint Church there in Atlanta, Georgia. And the whole goal from day one was if what we create here in this urban center of Atlanta 
we would love for it to be a template, a blueprint mm. for other churches who are planning in an urban context. And oftentimes when you plant in an urban context, it's not just trying to plant a church based on race, racial demographics or you know ethnicity as much as the dense and diverse challenges to go along with the urban context. Oftentimes very dense, whole lot of people from a whole lot of different places. And so our approach had to be a little bit different from what we've, you know, what we were accustomed to doing. I, I this was um, Blueprint was was actually my third church plant, uh, the third plant, uh, third church planting team I was a part of. Um, the Heidi also come, came with some church planting experience, and we knew we had all these different strategies and criteria and different things that we wanted to do, but we wanted to do something that was going to mirror the context and be not just culturally relevant but also doctrinally sound. So we went about the whole effort of trying to create a template, knowing that we're not going to be the only ones doing this. And we had several friends in our in our networks that were that were, um, I guess, burdened for what what they saw in the urban context, burdened for a lot of churches that exist in the urban context. Many of them had been around for years, um, but they had lost their sense of relevance for doing any real work there, or. If they were there and they were still relevant, oftentimes doctrinally they had some challenges. And mm. so we were just trying to figure out a way, you know, by the grace of God and the help of the Holy Spirit, to create something where we could bring a, um, a church that was going to be relevant, uh, but also sound doctrinally to that area of Atlanta. Um, and the more we, you know, tweaked and, and learned and gleaned and Pulled, we developed something that we felt like would be um, the perfect template to take into the urban context. We started having guys just from our network who said, hey, we would like to try the same, you know, the, the same approach to church planning. And it wasn't just, you know, hey, we want to do this in the other side of Atlanta. We want to do this in St. Louis. We want to do this in New York. We want to do this in Miami. And so over time, um, the Heidi began to think through what would it look like to make this template more transportable um and and hence you know the blueprint i don't want to call it a model but more of an approach you know developed and through the through the model we try to look at five different questions and it's not just questions of you know who's your context and what you're trying to do as much as what is the church why does the church exist what is the identity of the church how do you protect that identity and then how do you put that identity on display and so from those hard questions, and it's oftentimes not necessarily hard from a standpoint because you ask any church planner, what is a church? The first thing's out of their mouths, let's ecclesia, the called out ones, here's what we're supposed to do. Um, and we're saying, hey, let's really look at, instead of going off of what George Barna and all of our great theologians <laughs> and, you know, hey, this is what Ed Stetzer says. You know, we said, hey, what would it look like for us to put God on the of the, you know, in the courtroom, put God on the stand, see what his word says about what the church really is. And so when we look throughout the scriptures, you see different metaphors that explain church of the body, the church of the army, but the one we really land on and probably most resonates with us is the church as a family. Amen. And that, you know, that God is our father and Jesus is Jesus is our big brother. And, you know, we're brothers and sisters in the faith. And so we've we've seen that, heard that. You're, we're all accustomed to going into um, a church context and, you know, saying hi to the mother of the church as our mom 
or to the older statesmen in the church as one of the fathers or our spiritual fathers, you know, but we really don't conduct our lives that way. We really don't conduct our lives in the framework of, you know, within most churches, I, I would say, we don't really conduct ourselves as a family. You know, if you, if you probably wanted to look at it from a standpoint of what you often see in churches, it's more like an orphanage where you have yeah. a whole lot of overworked, um, you know, caregivers and a whole lot of, you know, malnourished or undernourished children. And so that's oftentimes what we would see in an urban context in a lot of these churches. Mm. Le- church leaders, you know, running, you know, breakneck pace, you know, to do whatever it takes to, you know, help pay a bill and help deliver a sermon and help raise money and do whatever, just the challenges of a church planner, instead of really seeing it as a family and approaching it as a family where it's not just this one guy going in, but there's this team of people seeing themselves as family, really trying to do whatever it takes to bring the gospel to a really challenging context. And to do that, not I guess to do that from a framework of an an orphanage where you're just a caregiver, it's only a matter of time before you're going to be burned out. But to do that from a standpoint of, hey, this is my family. This is my boulevard. This is the area where I'm going to embed. I want a team of people to embed with me. And we really want to approach it as family. We've really began to see God do some incredible things. So all that in a nutshell, you know, I guess if there was one framework, if you wanted to kind of be able to say what is Boulevard all about, you know, what, something that we often say, we, we, we put this out there early on to our to the um, church planners and the guys who are potentially going through our training. We say one of the things that you have to understand that we don't see the church um, as something that's like a family. We see the church as family. Yeah. And to approach, you know, this task that you really believe that God has placed upon your heart, that's something that you have to get from day one. That the church isn't like a family, the church is family. And so that in a nutshell is how we begin to build and deliver um, strategies towards getting these guys um, more equipped to reach the urban context. I dig it. I dig it. Yeah, you know, it's it's really interesting, Sam, because, uh, you know, some of our listeners will know that for a couple months I had some guys who, uh, one, one guy was from Jersey and a couple from Michigan. Mm-hmm. They called me up and said, hey, man, can we come and, you know, do some discipleship with you? And I didn't know what they meant. I was mm-hmm. like, well, what do you mean? Like, you, you want me to train you yeah. on mission? And they're like, no, we want discipleship. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, what does that look like for you guys? And they said, well, they said, it, uh, we're, we're, we mean, like, can we live with you for, like, a couple months wow. and follow your every move? move? And, and I said, well, you know, I'm in between church plans, so it might be kind of boring. But mm-hmm. uh, they said, no, we want to do it. And one of the things that they had on their list was they wanted to, to, we called it cage match. Mm. We locked ourselves in a room mm. for, we said, however long it takes. We scheduled it for four hours, but we said, we're going we're gonna to basically wrestle with the idea. And this was on their agenda, because wow. I asked them, what do you guys want to accomplish while they're here? And they mm. said, well, we read Church Zero, cha-ching. And they said, uh, <laughs> we, uh, we, we want to know what is the church, mm. because that's what we have to define mm. before we do anything else. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, we came to the very same conclusion mm. that church was family. Yeah. It's exactly where we arrived because I think what people often miss about church mm. as defined by scripture is, as you said, it's not like the gathering, the ecclesia. Yes. It's, yeah. it's, it's, they had a very institutionalized religion, the Jewish people. Yes. Um, even to this 
thing where the mm -hmm. Temple Mount is still sacred and there's still yes. that longing to go back to the institutionalization of, of church. Mm -hmm. um, but, but for, for the New Testament, they were locked out of all of that. Yeah. And so their identity became the family of God, the household of God. And the, the book about church in the New Testament, Ephesians, mm -hmm. um, which, which really is, is the book, if you're looking for any New Testament epistle about what the church is, mm -hmm. that's the one. Mm -hmm. And he uses temple imagery, sure, because, but he's, he's referring more to the temple of Diana. Mm -hmm. But then where he arrives at is, you know, all of chapter five, mm -hmm. you know, chapter four, chapter five, uh, into chapter six, it's family. Absolutely. And, yes. and so even, even going to the institutional, even before the institutionalization of the Old Testament uh, faith, you've, you, you really, God started his people off of a family. That's right. And people forget that, yeah. that it was the 12 sons of Jacob. It was a family Absolutely. that God attached himself to and grew a nation out of. Absolutely. And so uh, when you, I was just encouraged to, to hear that. How does the family approach really uh, help when you're in an urban context? What, what difference does it make? So say like, you know, here I'm, I'm like the white guy that studied at, you know, uh, Reformed Theological Seminary. And, you know, I, I, I could kick copies of, of uh, you know, Charles Hodge in, in, in people's faces, you know, at the beach. Um, what, what's going to help me uh, as I go into an urban context? It's understanding that framework of family. Well, well here's something um, that I guess when we look in our culture nowadays, be it in an urban context or not, you know, 50, 60, 70 years ago, we all knew our neighbors. You know, our parents grew up in a world where, you know, the front porch where dialogue would happen, you know, you would know your neighbors, you would engage in your neighbor's life. Nowadays, we can travel the same route to work, we can shop at the same stores, we can shop, you know, same malls, our kids go to the same schools, and we not have not one real meaningful relationship or meaningful conversation with our neighbors. And we can have those neighbors for years and never have a meaningful dialogue, a meaningful conversation. And so for us, we really believe that's the impetus when it comes to not just inviting people to be a part of the church plant, but to invite people to be a part of this family. Because if there's one ingredient that we all have as humans, we all want to belong to something. We want to be a part of something that is bigger than us, and it really outlives us and gives us that sense of community. And, and we look at the urban context, when you're talking about, um, you know, be it condos all over the place or townhomes all over the place and these people who just interact and, and have all of these commonalities but never have a conversation, we said, what would it look like if we just said, don't go into the whole process of planning a church by inviting people to be, attend your service. Go into your context trying to your family. So you will naturally have a conversation with someone if you knew that this was a potential family member. If this was a person that you just already had all these commonalities, the conversation is going to be a whole lot easier than, hey, what are you doing on Sunday morning around 10 o'clock? You know, it's, it's, there's something else about the approach that makes it a little more disarming. Um, both for the listener as well as for the one doing the inviting. And we just believe, we, we just firmly believe that when it comes to this whole concept of family, if there is a, um, kind of what I was joking with you about earlier, if there is a secret sauce to being effective in church planning, it truly is this. Because oftentimes um, we give our families, you know, family members, I should say, a whole lot more allowances than we give strangers. 
you know, if we see our uncle who's acting crazy at at one of the family reunions. Oh, that's just Uncle Ned. He, that's just who he is. You know, every holiday he's going to have a couple of drinks and, you know, try to sing his favorite song from the Beatles, whatever it might be. You know, we'll give him allowances. But strangers and people that we don't have that family with, what are we? We're more critical of them. We tend to, you know, give them one chance to fail and then we're done. And so we believe that it also gives us, as church planners, an element of tolerance that we tend to often forget um, we're, to, we're to live out as believers. And so it's one of those things that we're starting to now, and, and here's the thing I, I want to make sure that I say. This way of thinking, though it is, and I'm glad you gave the both biblical context and what we've seen in church history, it's still very new for church planners for some reason. It's like a paradigm shift. To really get them to start seeing this plant and those people on their planning team as family members, we've embraced the, the how do I say, it? we've embraced the, 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 the way culture sees church planning and the way we're supposed to behave in culture so that now we're talking about being involved as family where I'm seeing you more than twice a week. Bible study and Sunday service, that's almost like a different thing for a church planner. So really just at this point, having given them the room for the paradigm to shift in their own minds and their own on their in their way of life and their way of conducting their lives um, has been quite a journey, quite honestly. You know, I mean to tell someone, hey man, we want you interacting, literally embedding in your culture. A lot of the church planners are just like, what do you mean in my culture? Yeah. You know, and then that convince their wives of that, you know, as well family members of that. That's just a different thing for a lot of church planners. So our goal really is to ensure that they have this foundation of seeing it as family, have this foundation of seeing that God really wants to do something, you know, within this element of the city, you know. And so I don't know. That all makes sense. I kind of went on a babble, a babble trail there. So, but well, I don't know if that I, all makes sense. Yeah, go ahead, Pete. I, I was just going to say, um, you know, so tell us if you can. You, you had mentioned when you guys started out, you wanted to to really reach the community. You you wanted to be uh, doctrinally sound, yeah. and you had some ideas of how you wanted to reach the community. So, you know, you were making a template. Tell us. What does it look like in some of the church plants that you've been a part of? What does that that reaching the community actually look like for you guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's several things that, you know, several approaches that we've done. Um, one that we've really been able to celebrate over the last, um, since uh, since planning Blueprint, has been the way, you know, and I, I'm, I'm going to give give this as an example because I feel like it's, it's, it's something that we're continuing to model. Um, there's an area in Atlanta um, called the West End, you know, very urban, um, very poor. Uh, it's, it's, it's historic because it has several colleges, historically black colleges in the area, um, but you don't see a lot of gentrification happening in that area. Uh, Morehouse and Spelman are all in this West, West area of Atlanta. And so after moving to Atlanta, several of our team members who came from um, Texas, the Texas area, the Dallas area, along with Dehati and his team, um, they decided to move into that area. Now, here's the thing that you have to understand. That area is low income. That area doesn't have a whole lot of schools that you would, you know, say, hey, this is top notch school. I want our kids to go to this school because of, you know, their test scores and all of that. Um, it's not the safest area. But we had about four or five families 
early on and say, you know what? And these are young families. These are not retirees and kids are already gone off to college. They don't really have a lot to lose. These are young families saying, hey, we want to embed. We want to really believe God has placed this area in our hearts. And we want to go into this area and just begin to do life with the locals. And, and, and knowing that, you know, hey, this may not turn into a church plant within a year or two years or five. But let's just go in hmm. and see what God does. And over time, one, you know, it started off about two or three families. And now we're looking at about maybe 80 to 90 different people from the church, from Blueprint, that just took residence over there, began doing life. Um, one of the early families in those early days was just doing haircuts, giving free haircuts to a lot of the kids in the area. Um, another one of the guys who is a incredible cook, I mean, incredible cook, just started, you know, doing these meals for these families, not for any, you know, to, to, to earn a little income on the side, just free meals and free cakes for these families, and, you know, celebrating birthdays and doing all of these little, you know, I don't want to call them block parties because it wasn't necessarily a block party as much as it just a party out of their house and inviting their friends, opening up their house to a lot of these low income um, people. And over time, it just began to grow. Now that that little small, <laughs> small group, if you will, missional community, if you will, has now become what we call Cornerstone Church, led by one of our elders, one of our pastors there, John, John Anwichekwa. Long story short. We believe that embedding in the community and not just trying to have one guy parachute in to bring the gospel, but to literally embed, to literally make that community your own. And here again, as I said a few minutes ago, that's a total paradigm shift for most for most yep. guys. Because yep. we're not going to go to the area that is that bears the most need. Woo-hoo. We're going to go to the area that's going to for me, comfortable for my family, because at the same time, hey, Come on. people need the gospel there, but what, what does it look like for me to convince my wife to say, baby, we're going to this area, our kids are not going to be at the greatest schools, that doesn't take the responsibility off of us to be great parents, but it does say we want to be great parents as we're missionaries to this particular area. Is, so, is it wrong for me to say I'm starting to feel some romantic stirrings towards uh, <laughs> towards Sam? Is it wrong, especially at this distance? He's big. He's going to kill me. <laughs> Everyone is big compared to you. That is true. Yeah. He's like, hey, I'm like a grasshopper in, in, in his eyes, man. It's like, uh, I'm, it, I'm, I'm the grasshopper here. So, so here's, here's the deal. You know, I, I love that, man, because you're, 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 you're speaking about something that's really close to my heart, and that is team planting. Guys moving in teams, which is so first century. And like you said, guys are just beginning to understand it. But what I love about this, and I, I, you know, I was in Europe for 12 years Mm -hmm. and doing things that that still haven't cottoned on in America, right? Mm -hmm. And so talking to you, it's kind of like this stuff, a lot of, and and this is my, this is kind of my hunch. Tell me if I'm right, if Mm -hmm. if this theory is correct, that uh, a lot of what, we're hearing right now has actually come from an urban context and the mainstream church is just beginning to benefit mm-hmm. because when I'm hearing what's considered new and novel ideas, I'm like, well, that's what we did in Europe. Cause that's yeah. all that worked, man. Yeah, yeah. And uh, would that be the same? Absolutely. 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 And, and not only do I hardly agree with it, I, I think of a lot of the things that, you know, we were doing not necessarily because we read it, but because someone tried it, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we, 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 we got in and we're just like, well, okay, then it's, it's eight of us, it's 10 of us. Let's, let's, let's go and, 
you know, and see what our numbers can generate, you know, yeah. as we do it together, you yeah. know. Um, yeah, and, and, and that is that's totally been the the um, the approach for us. Not sending one guy out, but to send multiple guys out, you know, just watching God multiply. Um, so yeah, it's been amazing. I love it. I love it. Pete, how we doing on time, my brother? Uh, we still got about five minutes. Well, you better make something up, man. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, what does your, your blueprint look like? Um, are you training other guys and what you're doing? Or, I mean, you know, tell us that side of, of what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. Well, now that Boulevard has become a track for us within the North American Mission Board, every, every, every guy who comes through our track, we're basically giving them that DNA. We're, we're saying, okay, now that you're a part of these next, you know, this, this cohort, and, and the way we do it is we'll take four months um, starting, you know, January, February, March, and April, um, and we'll take about eight to ten guys. And within those, those eight to ten guys, many of them church planters or, you know, young in their church plant, um, we'll just bring them together. Uh, we're going to be doing it in Portland starting in January of 2016 bringing about eight to 10 guys from the Portland and Seattle area and really walking them through this DNA. And it's, and, and the goal really isn't so much for them to blueprint churches as much as for them to take this DNA and make it their own. Mm. But the last thing we want to do is say, okay, Hey, this is a cookie cutter approach, you know, go and take this cookie, cookie cutter, you know, and the, the, the way God creates families in every context is so different. And the beauty of it is, is the, is the variety of it. You know what I mean? Where you have this mosaic, of different nationalities and different socioeconomic backgrounds and all of that. So we were trying to plant the DNA in, inside of these guys so they can go live it out in their own specific context. And so we'll meet twice a month for those four months. Um, four of those meetings will be with their wives. Um, awesome. And so when, as their wives come, they're not just having to go back and try to, you know, regurgitate everything that they've gotten with us. Their wives are coming. Their wives are being able to, you know, bond and hear a lot of the things that we're, um, the, the DNA that we're, that, that we're teaching. And one of the things to be very candid with you guys, as much as I love, you know, what God is allowing us to do in terms of delivering this content to a lot of guys who are going into the urban context. If I'm very candid with you all, if there's one link that we continue to see, or, or I should say, if there's one thing that continues to stand out, both in the guys that go through it, as well as, as we're teaching it, is a camaraderie that happens within these guys as they're going through the cohort. Many of them feel like they're on their own islands. Um, they have very similar problems and they have very similar backgrounds and very similar challenges in terms of where they are in their families and kids and all of that. But yet they've not met or they haven't really been in enough conferences or whatever it might be to meet guys who, who, who have the same journey that they've been on. So after that first, maybe that second encounter with these guys, you automatically see this bond that takes place. So at the very end, we'll say, what was the thing that, you know, that stood out for you? What was the thing that, you know, is, has been the, that's had the most impact? And so we were hoping that they would say something. Hey, it was when we went through this point and when we talked about this, you know, element. And, when, and, and without fail, the guys always say, the camaraderie that I've received as I've been a part of this 
isn't just something that's made an impact, but it's something that I want to reproduce. Amen. And that's the win for us. It's really been for these guys to be able to say, hey, I've embraced this DNA, and I'm going to start off with creating a team that's going to be able to feel the same sense of um, excitement that I feel. And so, yeah, yeah, that, that's been one of the things that we, we're really excited about. Okay. Well, man, it, it's been great having you. But before we let you go, uh, I get to ask the question. <laughs> Oh Lord. The question. Oh Lord. Right. We, we each <laughs> each podcast we have a question. Normally Pete takes it, mm-hmm. but uh, it's our favorite question. And uh, I think I'm gonna. Uh, I'm, I, I've got three guys in my mind, and I'm just gonna kind of spin the roulette wheel, and I'm gonna see who it falls on. If you. Because it's not, it, Derwin's just not fair. It's you can't, you can't. That's why I was like, I got to leave this up to Peyton. Even, even though, even though <laughs> Derwin says that Rick Warren would kick his butt, he did. He but did. I, I think, I think he was. I don't know. I think that was a little bit of WWE wrestling, a little bit of fake slamming on the mat. There. Right, right, right. But, uh, but I would say, Samuel, if you were to get into a physical fist fight. With oh the hottie Lewis. Oh, my goodness. Who would win? Well, and this is the time for smack talk, brother. Yeah, this is yeah, it. but see, here's the thing. He may get a hold of this. So, <laughs> okay, so, okay. So, all right. In order to pro, keep my you, job, <laughs> okay, I think okay. I'm going to say the politically correct thing. No, no. So I got to change it then. Okay, so Derwin's out. Dahadi's out. Okay. And uh, so we're going to hit you with propaganda because he looks kind of tough, man. You would probably, he's kind of wiry. Uh, yeah, Prop would have to be a very quick guy. I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Prop wouldn't stand a chance. I'm sorry. No, he wouldn't. He wouldn't. He wouldn't. <laughs> I love Prop. That's my guy. But yeah, I, I'm sorry, Prop. You wouldn't stand a chance. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> I think you're right. He looks like he'd be wiry and fast. Yeah, he might fast, have come through. Yeah. He might have come exactly. through. Exactly. But, but he'd eventually uh, get tired in that ring. All right. I'd have good. to tell him to bring his lunch. How would you take him down? <laughs> Once I grabbed him, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> At some point, he's going to get tired of moving. And if I grab him, it's a wrap. <laughs> Good night, awesome. Irene. It's over. That's awesome. Well, there you have it, ladies and G's. Propaganda. I love prop. Not, I love you, man. Do not. I do, too. But do not make this man mad. Do not cross him. Do not come across him in, in, any, in any dark alley at any time in future. If you're in an urban city anywhere, look out for Sam Dula because he'll be waiting. So, uh, guys, thanks for That's joining awesome. us on Hardcore Church Planting today. And Arnold, sign this out. Remember, if you are called to church planting, go hardcore or go home. You've been listening to Hardcore Church Planting. Hardcore Church Planting has been brought to you by the Church Planner Podcast and the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the App Store for both Apple and Android devices. If you like this episode, leave us a positive review. If you didn't like this episode, we'll be happy to give you your money back.